the following message entitled Be Strong and Courageous, part two of the series Courageous Faith, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 26th of July, 2015. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Saving Grace. Welcome. If this is your first Sunday, great to have you here. If you would like to, come to our guest reception afterwards. Just out these doors and make a right in the Welcome Center. I'd love to meet you. We have a few folks from our church will be back there. Did you guys like our invisible drummer this morning? That was great, wasn't it? We got the drummer from the band Spirit. <laughs> Can't believe I said that. Well, we would like to uh, welcome everyone who is here this weekend for the Chi Alpha reunion. So, uh, you folks, raise your hands. These folks came to our church a number of years ago. Welcome back. Great to have you with us this morning. You know our church slogan, right? You can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. So, here you are. <laughs> also, one more announcement before we get into our message this morning. Um, our church softball team is in the playoffs. And so, if you want to come to see them play tomorrow night at 6 o'clock at the Summit, our church softball team. And uh, I'm planning to be there, Lord willing. So, um, they're doing really well. It's really fun watching them. Christy and my son Johnny, in case you haven't seen him for a while, he is in Minnesota. And he is working for an organization called Outward Bound. And they take at-risk kids, teenagers, out into the wilds of Minnesota for days and sometimes weeks at a time, they'll take, he and another instructor will take a group of seven teenagers, seven 17 year olds or so, out into the wilds and they portage and they camp and they sit in the wild and they have to, to come outside of their tents in lightning storms and sit on something so they're not grounded. Uh, it's the kind of life that Andrew Walwork would probably love to live. Um, they have to, at times, they're in, in, sitting in a lightning storm on some something so that they're not touching the ground at 2 in the morning while it's just storming around them. I was talking to Johnny last night. He just got back from a 22-day excursion, and he's getting ready to go out with another group of seven he and another instructor for 28 days. They have no contact with their cell phones. Don't work. They have a satellite phone in case there's an emergency. But the reason I'm sharing this is because it, it has it leads into today's message that the kids have two things they can count on. They have the promise of. Johnny and the other instructor and the promise of Outward Bound that they, Johnny and the other instructor will help them if they need it as they're training them. These are kids who have no experience in the wild. 
They have, they have no idea what they're doing. They're facing these incredible and even at times dangerous situations. But Johnny and this other guy have experience. They have been trained. They are there to help them. And the other promise they have is that Johnny and the other instructor will never leave them. So they have a, a promise of help and they have the promise that they will not be forsaken if they do get into trouble. And so Johnny said that the first week or the first third of it involves training them how to survive, training them how to build fires, training them how to set up camp. So Johnny and the other instructor are training them. The next phase is they're doing stuff and Johnny and the other instructor are with them. The third phase is Johnny and the other instructor stay back from them while they're on the rivers or whatever. And they're up ahead, but Johnny and the instructor are still with them, ready to help them at any moment. Now, we're going to look at Joshua 1, 1 through 1-9, and hopefully I can tie this in. So let's look at our text for this morning. We're in the book of Joshua. Bob did an outstanding job last week of giving us an introduction to that. If you would like, you can listen to that on our website online. And uh, it's really good to get the background of the book. And we're going to start with verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, and by the way, last week Bob said Joshua was the only person in the Bible who had no parents because he was the son of Nun. Um, actually, Bob made a mistake. Adam and Eve had no parents either. So Bob, I'm, I'm sorry you were theologically off on that one. Um, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses." from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do, to, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Lord, there is so much that we can glean from this, and we pray that You would speak to us. And we pray especially this morning, Lord, that You would make us strong and courageous to face whatever we must face in our Christian lives, Lord, because of Your faithfulness and Your promise. Lord, we just ask You to open up Your Word 
by Your Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our hearts to see wonderful things in Your Word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when God spoke this to Joshua, the nation of Israel was poised to enter the promised land. But there were battles ahead. There were peoples populating the land. And as Bob showed us so well last week, there were giants to be slain. The peoples that were populating the land were literal giants. And as Joshua looked out over the land, he may have felt overwhelmed. He may have been tempted to fear. I can imagine some of these 17-year-olds that our son Johnny is leading as they're looking out over the land they're going to take on. They might be tempted to fear. I, I would be with my outdoor skills. So Israel was probably tempted to fear. Joshua may have felt like, how can I possibly lead this people into this land? I've never led anybody. It's always been Moses. Now God is calling me to lead the nation of Israel and to conquer this land of giants. But God speaks to Joshua and says to him three times to be strong and courageous. Three different times He tells him. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. And verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. That's what God wants to speak to us this morning. Be strong and courageous. The land of Canaan represents the Christian life. And we have to take the land. We have, we have giants to slay. We have enemies to conquer. Now let me, let me make something clear here. When we believe in Jesus Christ, when we believe in Jesus as the Bible presents Him, when we believe in Jesus as God who created the universe, who always existed, who became a man, who lived a life of perfect obedience to His Father, never sinned once, then on the cross, He voluntarily went to the cross and God the Father placed all our sins upon Him. And Jesus paid for all our sins and then died and was buried. And then He rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven where He is Lord of lords and King of kings. When we believe in Jesus, when we trust in Him, to save us when we call upon Him, when we believe He is who He said He is and that He died on the cross for our sins, the Bible says we have eternal life. John 3.16 God gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now that takes no work on our part. We believe. God did all the work. Jesus did all the work. And the book of Ephesians says we receive salvation as a gift, not as a result of works. Salvation is a free gift 
We don't work for it. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We simply receive it by believing in Jesus. But after we receive eternal life, after we receive Jesus, then we are to become disciples. Then we are to start working, not in order to gain our salvation, but because we are saved. Not in order to become sons and daughters, but because we are sons and daughters. And we are to follow Jesus. And we are to slay the giants. We're to work out the salvation that Jesus has worked into us. We are to put sin to death. We are to put temptation. We are to flee temptations. We are to seek to do good works. We are to seek to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And that is a cooperative work that we do with the Holy Spirit working in us. We, we don't do it in order to merit heaven. We don't do it to earn heaven. We do it because Jesus Christ has already said He's given us eternal life. We already have that life. Now we are to follow Him as disciples and bring glory to Him. We have giants to face. We have hard times at times as believers. Most likely, everyone in this room is facing something you need God's strength for. If you're not, you're probably just not aware of the giants in your land of Canaan. And so God would say to us this morning, especially if you feel discouraged, especially if you feel like giving up, God would say, be strong! Be courageous! And He gives us reasons why in this passage. See, the Christian life, salvation in a sense, salvation for us is easy. Because Jesus did all the work for it. He lived the life of perfect obedience, which He counts to us when we believe in Him. He paid for all our sins. He did all the work. But now as we begin to follow Him, the Christian life is hard. We have giants to slay. When I first became a believer, when, I first, when Jesus first rescued me, when He first saved me back in the 70's, one of my giants, the first giant, one of the first giants I had to slay was the giant of tobacco. I had been, I had smoked and chewed for several years, and somehow I had managed to quit smoking before I became a Christian, but I could not conquer the giant of skull. Picture a giant can of skull. I'm David. Goliath is skull. I, I just couldn't do it. I just wasn't able to do it. Eventually, Jesus helped me. It was hard. It wasn't easy. I wasn't like the kind of guy that just quits in one day and says, hey, I just decided to quit and I quit. No, it was a struggle. But Jesus helped me. Little did I know, there were far bigger giants to come. There was the giant pride. Oh man, that is a big giant. He was a big giant in my life. There was the giant selfishness. There was the giant anger. There was the giant lust. Oh man, these giants were big. And I was so weak. But Jesus helped me and helps me. And I, I'm still fighting giants. There was the giant fear of man. Oh man, that was a huge one. That's always been a huge one in my life. The giant of craving the approval of others. I'm still fighting these giants with the power of Jesus. 
And I'm, by God's grace, just like all of you who have been walking with the Lord, you know that we make progress. You know that Jesus gives us victories. You know that we're growing. But there's a, it's going to be fight, a fight to the end. Just like Paul said near the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. See, Paul, the Apostle Paul, had to fight. And I, I hope by God's grace, and I'm trusting that by God's grace, on my deathbed, I can say that. Well, here's the good news. Jesus, our Joshua, He leads us and fights for us and gives us all we need to fight the fight of faith. He's not going to say, go out and fight the giant of lust and not give us the grace to do it. He's not going to tell us, fight the giant of anger and not give us the strength and the grace and the help to do it. Everything God commands us, He will give us the grace for as we seek Him. And so we can be strong and courageous as He told, as God told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Three different times He told him that. And He gives him several reasons. We're going to look at two reasons why we can be strong and courageous. God's promise and God's presence. Two reasons why we can be strong and courageous. God's promise and God's presence. First of all, let's look at God's promise. See, this this is what gives me courage. God has promised me things. And God is not a liar. First, He makes a promise to Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous because of My promise. He says this, actually He says, I promised Abraham and his descendants, I promised Abraham, then I promised Isaac, then I promised his son Jacob, then I promised his son Joseph that I would give Israel this land. I finally promised Moses too, and I'm promising you. That's why you should be strong and courageous. So he says, beginning with verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. See, all of God's reason to be strong and courageous is rooted in His promise. And He goes on and He says, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, and He goes on and on. And then He says in verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Joshua's courage was to be rooted in God's promise. Long before God had promised Abraham many times He would give the land of Canaan to His descendants. First of all, Genesis 12, 6 and 7. Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring... I will give this land. There's the first promise. And then later on, Genesis 15, on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your offspring I give this land. From the river of Egypt 
to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. See, there was a promise. And there are more promises, which I just, for the sake of time, God made more promises to Abram and Abraham that He would give the land. But not only to Abraham, but then Abraham had a son, Isaac. God made the same promise to him. And so in Genesis 26, 3 and 4, He said to Isaac, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you, for to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. And then Isaac had a son, Jacob. God said to Jacob in Genesis 35, the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Jacob had a son, Joseph. And, and, and Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you and I will make of you a company of peoples and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. So that's promised to Joseph. Joseph said to his brothers at the end of his life, and Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that He swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now why is it so important for God to remind Joshua of His promise to give the land to Israel? Because Moses had just died. Now, we have to remember, there was no one in the Old Testament like Moses. No one, no other prophet like Moses. Moses spoke to God directly, face to face. No other prophet did that. Moses led Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Moses worked miracles. Moses stretched out his staff and God split the Red Sea. No other prophet like Moses. Moses gave Israel the Ten Commandments. Moses led Israel all through the desert right to the edge of the Promised Land. Moses had just died and the people had wept for him for 30 days in the plains of Moab. And at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, which is just a couple of verses back from the book of Joshua, Here's what it says. This is just a few verses before God says this to Joshua. It says, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. And Joshua may have been thinking, who am I? How am I going to possibly step into the shoes of this incredible man and lead Israel? I don't have any power. So God spoke to Moses. He says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, 
Moses, my servant, is dead. If I had been Joshua, I would have said, Moses, your servant is dead. I know that. Don't you think I know that? The greatest man in history? What am I supposed to do? God could have said, Joshua, not only is Moses dead, Abraham is dead. Isaac is dead. Jacob is dead. Joseph is dead. Yes, Moses is dead. But Israel, my people are not standing on the edge of the promised land because of men. They are standing there because I promised they would be standing there. It's not men who brought them this far. That's why you can be strong and be courageous because it's not hinging on you, Joshua. It's because I promised my people this land. See, the the whole reason Joshua could have confidence was not in his ability to lead the people into the land. Not because of his incredible military skills or military strategies, but because of God's promise. That's why he could be strong and have courageous. See, men may come and go. Men will fail. I mean, Moses failed. He failed through unbelief when he struck the rock more than once. Men will fail. Men throughout church history, great leaders have come and gone. But the reason why Jesus' church is going on is not because of men, but because of His promise to build His church. And so in Matthew 16.18, He says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build My church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is going to build His church. He is going to build His kingdom because He has promised it. Not because of any human beings. Not because of any kind of great leaders. Charles Spurgeon is gone. John Calvin is gone. Martin Luther is gone. Great leaders in the past. And God used them. But that's not why the church is going on. And and even when we see at times really well-known leaders and then they fail and they fall. Fall into sin. And we think, oh man, what a setback for the church. Jesus' church is not going to fail because it does not hinge upon men, but upon His promise. And the same is true for our lives. I mean, think of the church. Jesus is going to build His church and the gates of hell won't stand against it. He says the very demons of hell. Believers have been persecuted from the beginning, from the persecution led by Saul in Jerusalem, right up to today by the present persecution by ISIS. ISIS is not going to stop the church. The gates of hell are not going to stop the church. Why? Not because of men, not because of humans, because of God's promise. And that is true for our lives. We can be strong and courageous to attack and battle and put to death the spiritual giants in our lives because of God's promise. I've, I've, over the years, God's 
as a pastor, God's given me just a, a privilege at many, many times to just get to, to encourage somebody who's new in their faith. And there have been times where people have been in my office or I've been out to coffee with someone and they're just very discouraged because of their failures. Very discouraged because they're not doing well. And I've said this to them. I said, you, if you keep believing in Jesus and you keep attempting to just, just call on Him and keep attempting to obey Him, keep trying to put this to death, you come back and you'll see me in five years from now and you won't believe all that Jesus has done in your life. And I've, I've had the privilege of getting to see that. I've, I've had the privilege of getting to see Jesus do great things in people's marriages. Had just, it's, and I'm sure you've seen Jesus do that in people's lives in your own life. Why? Because we're so great? No. Because He has promised. Let me, let's look at 2 Peter 1, 3-7. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Okay, we got all we need. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us, to His own glory and excellence. That's what Jesus has called us to. And He's going to do it. He's going to shape us and conform us to His own glory and excellence. By which, look at this, He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. See, the promises of God in His Word He has given us promises that He is going to help us and change us and conform us to His nature. We won't become God or anything like that, but we will become more and more like Jesus Christ. Because He has promised. He's given us promises so that through them, through these great promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. By His promises, we will overcome sinful desires and the corruption that we still battle in this world. And then He says, for this very reason, because you got these great promises, be strong! And courageous. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. He's saying this, because you have the promises of God. Because you have the promise of God to pour out His Spirit into your life, because you have the promise of God to help you, because you have the promise of God that He will give you grace to conquer sin, go for it! Add these things to your life. Work on it. Become more and more like Jesus. Because God has promised to make you partakers of the divine nature. So that's the first thing. We have the promises of God. We have God's promise. Look at this promise that we have. Philippians 1.6 And I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 
Paul is saying this to people who were still battling sin, still slaying giants in their lives. He's tying it into a special offering that he's taken up, but he's saying, you know, by the way you're giving and sacrificing in this offering, that's a sign that God is going to complete His whole work in your life at the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise. And so, I, I can look at anyone who genuinely believes in Jesus and who is genuinely wanting to live for Jesus, who is genuinely seeking to be a disciple, no matter how many struggles they have, and I can look at them and I can say, I'm sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. No matter what you're going through. No matter how hard this is. Jesus is working in you. That's a promise. Romans 8.29 says this, another promise. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. We will be conformed to the image of Jesus. I would, oh, I would just so urge any of you here who have not believed in Jesus Christ as God and King and Savior and all that He did for you, you have promises that you could, you could find for your life. Encourage. Now the other thing that we have that God mentions that gives us courage and strength is His presence. God's promise. God's presence. And so God said to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And then in verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Why? Why, Lord? Why shouldn't I be frightened or dismayed? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Why should we have confidence that we will conquer the giants in our spiritual Canaan, our lives? Because God is with us. He has promised to never leave us or forsake us. Think about this. The Creator of the universe is with us. The Creator of the universe will help you overcome. The One who spoke the galaxies into being is waiting. He's with you. He, I, you know, when I first, when I first I went to a prayer meeting, someone invited me to go to a prayer meeting, I, the way I always thought about God was I thought, He is He is way up there somewhere. He doesn't care about my petty little needs. He's too busy running the universe. Why should He concern Himself with my little needs? And then I went to a prayer meeting and I heard the guy next to me saying, Jesus, please help me. And he's talking to Jesus like He knows Him, like He's right there and the hair on the back of my neck stood up. 
And later on I found out Jesus is with me to help me wherever I am. He's, he's, he's there in my car when I'm driving. He's there if I'm walking through my neighborhood. He's there no matter what time, day or night. He's with me. Look at this. Matthew one twenty three. This is what the angel said to Joseph. Jesus' earthly father. He said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus' name. His name Emmanuel is like, I'm with you. He's not far off. He's not unconcerned about your needs and your problems. He's not a million miles away. He's, just, he's closer than the air we breathe. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, what, is this, what does this have to do with keep your life free from love of money? It means this. We don't need to worry about money. We shouldn't be obsessed with money. We shouldn't be like thinking about money all the time. Loving money. We should be content with what we have. Why? Because we have Jesus with us. The One who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What do we need to worry about money for if we have Jesus who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I know what you need and I can take care of your needs. I can give you all you need. He's our gracious King. The One who provides for the sparrows of the field. Our Heavenly Father, it says, gives good gifts to those who ask Him. He's a generous God. And He's with us. This is one of my favorite all-time verses. Isaiah 43.2 I love this verse. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Why? Why won't the flame consume you? Because I will be with you. But notice this. He says, you will walk through the waters. You will walk through rivers. You will go through flames. You will go through challenges in your life. But don't forget this. I'm with you. I'm with you right there. No matter what you're going through, I'm with you. And that situation that you're facing, it may feel horribly hard, challenging, but I'm with you and I'm going to get you through it. It's not going to overwhelm you. It's not going to sink you. You may feel like you're going to sink, but you won't sink because I'm there holding you up. You may feel like you're going to burn up and just die, but no, I'm going to, I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to be there with you. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Do you know Jesus Christ? He is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I love the story of Elisha and his servant in 2 Kings. 
the king of Syria comes to seize him and he surrounds the city of Dothan that they're in. And it says, when the servant of the man of God, the servant of Elisha, rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Look at this army. We're doomed. We're dead. I like what Elisha says. He says, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The servant goes, Let me see. One, two. <laughs> I, how are you doing your math? And then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I will be with you. I will be with you. Those who are with us, those who are with us are greater. I will be with you. See, we don't always see God with us. We don't always feel God with us. That's why we need to rely on His promise. We may say, Lord, this is so hard. I just feel so alone. But I know You are with me. We have to get these promises and hold on. God's promise, God's presence. God's promise, God's presence. The promises of God and His Word. The promises of God and His Word give us strength. They give us courage. God's presence, knowing that God is with us, gives us strength. It gives us courage. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. I am with you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember that story. King Nebuchadnezzar gets... He, he throws them into the fiery furnace because they refused to bow down to the, to the image when he had the music playing. He throws these three guys into a furnace heated seven times hotter than normal. And then he looks and he says, what, what's going on? I see four guys in there. I thought we just threw three guys in. I see four in there and one looks like a son of the gods. Who's was Jesus. He was with them in the fiery furnace. I will be with you wherever you go. So be strong and take courage. If God is with us, what do we need to worry about? See, the, the, the problem is we forget that God is with us. We forget His problems and we start to focus on our situation. We start to focus on this world. And we need to lift our eyes. We need to remember God's promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is with me, what, what do I need to worry about? So, I want to encourage you this morning. God wants to encourage you. Jesus wants to encourage all of us. He wants to encourage us. Be strong and courageous. Because God has promised that He is going to fulfill and complete the good work He has begun in you. And He is with you. 
You believe in Jesus. He is with you. God has promised we will be conformed to the image of Jesus. And Jesus has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So let's stand. Let's pray. Lord, we don't know why You would love us so much. We are specks of dust compared to You. Less than specks. Compared to the infinite, glorious God, the Creator of the universe. But Lord, thank You for Your love. Thank You for Your promises to us. Thank You that You, the King of the universe, would give us Your Word, Your promises to hope in. Thank You that You are with us. That You're not uninvolved and that You really do care and You are right here with us now. Lord, we just pray You would let these truths sustain us and strengthen us. I pray, Lord, for everyone in this church who may be doubting, may be struggling. I pray, Jesus, that right now by Your Spirit You would encourage them. We just thank You and praise You for what a wonderful God You are. In Jesus' name, Amen.